Good morning. How's everyone doing? All right. Ophi, you are awake and ready after that worship set. Was that not good stuff? Yeah, that was good stuff. Hey, a couple of announcements just for you real quick. Um, if you did see it in the video announcements, um, we are this Friday night going to be having a get-together as uh, the Williamsburg campus, having a bonfire out at the Ferry's house. And so we're going to be having information about that on our Facebook page this week. And uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we'd love for you to come out, hang out there, uh, enjoy some good times, roasting uh, anything. Vanessa's laid out a challenge that somebody needs to bring a pig to roast. And so we're hoping for that to happen. Um, so yeah, so we've got that going on. You can roast. We're going to kickball. We're going to have all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, we'll have uh, information up on our Facebook page. And if you're in Newport News and you want to come, you're welcome. You're welcome. Come on out. So yeah, there you go. So, um, so anyways, just want to say that. Also to uh, uh, make sure you do have on your calendar um, the weekend of the 18th and 19th, that weekend, we're going to be having some exciting uh, announcements um, concerning the launch of our Southside campus. And so we're going to be sharing some uh, more specific details. We've talked about it as a church. We launched it and talked about our business meeting. We've been talking about it uh, since the beginning of the year, but we've got some uh, exciting details that'll be rolled out that weekend. So make sure you're here that Sunday uh, so we can celebrate all that God's doing in this church and uh, just be looking forward with expectation. Uh, for all the things that are going forward. So there you go. Well, hey, so we're going to get started today, and uh, we're going to be at John chapter 14 is where we're going to be at. If you have your Bibles, um, you can turn there. If you do not look on your neighbors, um, if they do not have a Bible, steal their phone, and you can look it up on the Bible app. Um, but that's where we're going to be at is John chapter 14. I'm going to move this because I'm scared I'm going to knock it over because I think I'm going to move a lot today. All right. John chapter 14. If you are a note taker, uh, you can write down, this is an historic moment. I never have titles for my sermons, and I have a title this morning, so you can write this down. It is called Easter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. It's called, it's called The Way. It's called The Way. And so you can write that down as the title. I, I, uh, this morning, uh, as we get started and just talk about it, I just want to relate and connect with you a little bit because um, I think all of us have had moments um, where we've been there to some degree. How many of you have ever been lost anywhere? You've ever just been completely lost, uh, whether you're driving or, or whatever, you've just been completely lost, all right? So there's many of us in the room that say, that's me, I've been lost at some point. Uh, for me, when I was a little kid, I got lost in the mall at one point, um, completely separated from my family. Uh, maybe this didn't happen and maybe I I just made up this entire story. It was a dream. Um, but I, I remember as a little kid, I got lost one time. I don't remember the feelings that I had. I don't remember the impact it had on my life. But I do remember that I was lost in the mall at one point. And I just wanted to share that. But there was this one time that I do remember the impact that it had on me. I've shared the story at length before, and I'm not going to this morning. If you want to know the story, we can talk afterwards. But there was a day where I was skiing as a youth, as a student. I was 16 years old, and I was on the side of a mountain learning how to ski. And this beautiful foreign exchange student from Sweden came up and asked me to ride the ski lift with her up to the top of the mountain. And I had only been down the bunny slopes twice, and I said yes. And then I ended up finding myself lost on the side of a mountain ended up on a black diamond that was closed because of ice, fearing for my life, and then bleeding out unconscious on the ice for 30 minutes. 
I was lost in that moment. It was completely a horrific moment, but I do remember the feeling when I was in the middle of the woods and just walking through, I think I'm gonna be okay. If I just stand up on this spot, I'm gonna be good. It looks like a path. I'll get to the bottom somehow and I will figure everything out. That moment of loss, it it can really just hit us where we're just kind of like, where am I at? What's going on? And we can feel that way. Maybe we've just never been completely lost. You're not geographically challenged. You're, you're, You're good. You've got a good sense of direction. Wherever you land, you're gonna be able to find where you are and you're gonna be able just to make it out. And so maybe that's you, but you find yourself maybe sometimes or at least once in your life, you've been lost in a conversation, right? The conversation, you think it's going one way, and then all of a sudden, you're just like, wait a minute. Am I, what, what, what did I just hear? The other day, uh, Michelle and I, we had the privilege of going to um, our, uh, our kids at their school. They had a field day, and uh, so it was the school's way of just like, hey, it's the Friday before spring break. We don't want to teach, so let's just go, you know, and, and let's let the kids just run themselves ragged, and so we went out for field day, and so we were out there, and we were doing the hula hoop relay station, and it was a ton of fun, and so uh, all the second and third graders came through our station, and so we were out there and watching all the second and third graders, and I was having a blast just yelling at them and getting getting them to scream. It was so much fun. And, and, and so we're in there, and, and, and after probably about four or five classes come through, Michelle, she says to me, she's like, man, you can really tell which class is left. And I'm just like, what? What is she talking about? Which class is left? And I'm like, so I asked her, I'm like, are you saying that you know their political persuasion based off how they hula hoop? Is that what you're saying? Like, I am just lost right now. Like, she's like, no, I can tell which class is rough, meaning like, I know which class needs some attention from a teacher, you know? And I was just like, oh, that makes sense. But, you know, you find yourself in a moment where you're just completely lost. The conversation just doesn't make sense. You're just kind of unsure of what's happening. You're just like, I I just need to step back and figure some things out right now because it's just not working for me. Or maybe you're, you're one of those persons, you love movies, but you really have a hard time keeping up with the plot. And so you're sitting there and just like, I think, no, I have no clue what's going on. And you look at your neighbors expecting them to be completely lost. And you look at them and they're just like completely inspired and engrossed in the moment. And you're just like, "Um, yeah, that's good. You know, and everybody else is crying and you start to laugh and you're just lost. You're just like, I don't know what's going on here. I'm just completely mixed up in this whole situation. No matter what it is, we've had moments that we can relate to where we've been lost. There's, there's something where we felt the sense of overwhelming, just kind of like, I'm, I'm out of it. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm out of the loop. And in those moments, isn't it interesting, and we can all think about those moments, that those moments for us are moments where we can find ourselves confused, we can find ourselves impatient, we can find ourselves a little frustrated, we can find ourselves discouraged, even if it's the simplest of situations. We can find ourselves really struggling to find a way to find peace. I I remember when Michelle and I, we were first dating, it was our first Valentine's. And we were living, uh, she just breathed a sigh. She said, oh, dear God. Uh, so she, we, we, we were living in, in Florida at the time, in central Florida. And so we were driving to Tampa. I had this ingenious idea. I'm a hopeless romantic. And so uh, we, we were driving to Tampa and we were going to go. And she didn't know any of this. It was a complete surprise. I had baked her my favorite, di- my favorite dinner. And uh, so I made uh, chicken parmesan. And, you know, I had pasta. I had the sides. I made a salad. I made the dessert. Everything from scratch. And I would figured out how to transport it. I mean, I put in 
all this work and we were gonna go to the beach and I had her walk the beach and I had given her this letter that she was gonna read as she was walking the beach. And as she was walking along the beach, there was different picture frames of, of pictures of us. And so as she's going through, she's doing all this stuff so that by the time she comes back, I've got this whole thing set up on the beach with a sheet and dinner and it's perfect and we could sit down and watch the sunset over the water because it's one of her favorite things to do. And so we're doing this and so I got everything and it's all going well and, and we're in the car and we're driving down I-4 which is also known as hell and we're driving down that road and, and, and as we're going everything's great, everything's fine and I'm thinking in the back, okay this is what I'm going to do, I'm planning, I'm barely listening to anything she's saying and I'm just, you know, just going and, and, and as we get past Brandon which is the town outside of Tampa, as we get past Brandon all of a sudden it just stops, just standstill traffic. Just standstill traffic. And I'm just like, my chicken parmesan, people. It's getting soggy. It's getting soggy. Nobody likes soggy chicken parmesan. And so I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, oh, all right, all right. And then so I'm just, it'll clear up. It'll clear up. And we left early to make sure that we didn't hit traffic. And I thought I'd planned for it. And so, you know, we're going on. And then it, it just doesn't move. And we're just sitting there in traffic. And it's just going longer and longer and longer. And now I'm no longer worried about the chicken parmesan. I'm looking at the sun just setting before we even and get there, and I'm just like, it's going to be dark, and we're going to be eating sandy chicken parmesan. And so I'm just sitting there, and all these things are going through my mind, and she's just like, oh, we're driving to Tampa. She has no clue what's going on, and she's just looking out the window like, Florida's beautiful. It's a nice day, and she's just talking. I'm on a date with a guy that I think I really like, you know, and, and so everything's going well in her mind, and everything's erupting in my mind, and I'm just completely losing it, losing it, and then what is on inside this turmoil, this volcano that is on the inside finally erupts and Michelle sees the true Jamie Bell <laughs> and it just erupts and it was just like oh my goodness and I'm just like yelling at little old ladies that are sitting next to me and they can't do anything different than sit there and it's all their fault and I'm just going off and it's just crazy I'm completely lost in the moment I'm lost in the moment, and I'm just like, how in the world are we ever going to get there on time? How is anything going to work out? She's looking at me like, dear God, do I even want to stay in the car, let alone keep dating this guy? You know, and all this stuff, it's just in the same moment, we were completely lost, and we were just in that moment, both of us in our own ways, we were doing anything we could to look for a way out. Look for a way out. I wanted traffic to move. She wanted the door to unlock. We were just looking for a way out. How can we get out of the situation? There's got to be some way that this thing could be turned around. There's got to be some way that something can come from the situation. And see, each one of us in this life, we can find ourselves often too easily troubled and frustrated and discouraged because we feel lost, because we feel like we don't have the answer. We don't feel like we have the way to find the solution that we are facing to the problem that we are facing. And we're looking for a way out of there. In John chapter 12, we find Jesus being anointed and, and, and we see people just standing in awe of who Jesus is in his ministry. His disciples are following him and they're excited about all the things that are happening. Now the disciples, you know, a lot of times the disciples get a bum rap and I think if we were in their shoes, um, we would really actually be astonished at who they were and, 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 and the life that they were living. But the disciples, uh, as much as they were unlearned and as much as they maybe weren't schooled, th these guys were guys that had followed Jesus and they were Jews at the time and they were religious men. So they had this expectation of who the Messiah was going to be. 
they had this idea, they had this plan of what the Messiah was going to do. They had this destination in their hearts of where they were going to get and what they were going to experience in life because of who the Messiah was and what he was going to do. So the disciples are following Jesus, and they're seeing Jesus do all of these miraculous things and all of these amazing ministries, and then they see him being anointed and people celebrating him. And, and, and then they, they're in the Passover time, they start to make their way to Jerusalem, and as they get to Jerusalem, all of these crazy things are happening, and, and Jesus enters to Jerusalem, and, and, and people are shouting and, and, and laying down palm branches, and they're screaming, Hosanna, and they're acknowledging him to be the one true king and they're screaming out his praises and they're just going crazy for him and the disciples are like, what is happening right now? And their hearts are welling up. They're getting excited because their expectations, their hopes, everything they've dreamed of, everything they've waited for, it's in front of them. They're looking at it and they're saying, this could be it. Jesus kind of messes with them in a little bit because in verse 12, he goes and tells them to get a donkey. And they're just like, why in the world are we getting a donkey? You're supposed to be the king. You should be coming in on this big, beautiful white horse. But he comes in on a donkey, and it says in verse 12, they were baffled. See, Jesus is doing this incredible work, and all of these things are happening. Things bigger than the disciples can even imagine, but they still found themselves in this place where they're baffled. They're kind of unsure. They're kind of easy. They don't really have a sense of the way in which things are going. And, and they're excited. They're caught up. But at the same time, they're kind of confused. And then you go on as verse 12, or chapter 12 develops and chapter 13 develops. You see all of these incredible things happening in the life of Jesus. And you see him having dinner uh, with the disciples afterwards. And, and he begins to continue to mess with their minds a little bit and mix things up and confuse them by turning some traditions upside down. And he washes their feet instead of them washing his feet. And he begins talking about the importance of being a servant. He talks about the importance of, of, of thinking of others first instead of thinking of yourself first. Their whole paradigm is getting shifted. And, and to make things even worse, he, he goes a little bit deeper and says, by the way, one of you in here tonight, you're going to give me up. You're going to betray me so that I can be murdered. And they're all looking around like, what is happening? He just, huh? What is happening right now? And then he goes even a little further. Not only is one of you going to betray me, but then one of you, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me, and in fact, you are the leader of all of these guys, and because you deny me, everybody else is going to deny me. And they're just sitting there just going, uh, this, is, this just does not make sense. What is happening right now? They thought they were going one way, and then they find themselves in a place where they're lost and confused and baffled and troubled. And he speaks to Peter, and he says, it's you. You say that you're going to die for me. But in fact, you're not going to die for me before this night's even over. Three times you're going to deny me. And then in chapter 14, verse 1, he looks at them and he says, but don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Peter's in this moment, he's sitting there. Peter is looking at Jesus who just said, you're gonna deny me, you're gonna walk away from me. You're going to, everything that you think you're gonna do, everything you think you're gonna live for, everything that you think you're gonna be, you're not. Before this night's even over, you're gonna turn your back on it. And Peter, I'm sure crushed, I'm sure just demolished in the moment. His spirit is just ruined. He's just sitting there just going, what in the world is happening? How did I get here? What is taking place? And he's looking at Jesus, and Jesus says, don't be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. 
See, in Peter's life, there was something inside of him that was not quite right. There was something inside of him that still needed to be rooted out. There was still something inside of him, as good as Peter thought he was, as strong as Peter thought he was, as living full on for God as Peter thought he was, there was something inside of him that was not allowing him to be whole. And that something had to be replaced. See, for me, when I was lost on the side of the mountain, not only did I knock myself unconscious and it was bleeding now, I still have the scar to prove it. If you've ever wondered, that's where it came from. And so this scar is as bad as it is, not because of the incident, but because I had a horrible doctor. See, the reason that the scar is as bad as it is is because there, there was a mass developing underneath of where they sutured all of the stitches together. And that mass was continuing to grow as the stitches were supposed to be healing. So six weeks after I went to get the stitches removed, the wound just opened itself back up. And then they had to remove the mass and then allow the, self, the wound just itself just to heal on its own without stitches. And so I have this bigger wound than I should have that no longer has hair on it, which is increasingly getting worse as I grow older, and it won't be an issue one day. But this wound is as big as it is because there was something underneath that was not allowing a healing to take place. In your life, you might find yourself lost and discouraged. You might find yourself frustrated. You might find that you say, I've turned to Jesus time and time again. I've come to him. I've gone to the altar. I've raised my hand. I've done the deal. I've been baptized five times. Man, this thing's just not working out. And it's not that Jesus is incapable. It's not that Jesus is insufficient. It's the reality that there's something inside that you were holding on to. There is something that is present inside of you that you need to let go and you need to let Jesus look at it and say, don't let your heart be troubled. You can heal. See, Jesus is saying to Peter and he's saying to you and I, don't be troubled. Trust me and trust God. And you can trust me and you can trust God. Why? And we can see this in verse 2. There is more than enough room in my father's house, Jesus goes on to say. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. He looks at Peter and he's saying, don't let your heart be troubled because I have a place for you. Listen, he's saying to you and he's saying to me, if we find ourselves in this place, there's something inside of us. There's a hurt that is present because of someone else. There's a shame that is present because of something we've done and we just cannot forgive ourselves. There's something inside of us that is just deep there that we hold on to and for some unknown reason we almost protect. And that thing that is there that is deep inside of us, it cannot allow us to fully heal. It cannot allow us to fully connect ourselves with Christ and discover the life that he has because we don't believe that we have a place with him. We've got to allow God to speak to us this morning and say, listen, there's a place for you. Don't let your fear Don't let your shame, don't let all of these things keep you from the life that I have. Don't let your sorrow cause you trouble. Don't let them be the reason you lose your way. Trust me. Trust God. Why? 
because I have a place for you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. Listen to me, because Jesus died on the cross, God has a place for you. This morning, if you feel like you can't be loved, if you feel like God can't accept you, he has a place for you. Listen, if you're looking at yourself and you're saying, I've tried it and I failed, I just have to accept my fate. That is a miserable place to be. God has so much more for you. He wants you to know life. He wants you to know truth. He wants you to know there is a way out of the misery. He wants you to know there is a way out of the pain. There's a way out of the depression. There's a way out of the suffering. And it is Jesus. He has a place for you this morning. And this morning, if you maybe don't find yourself there, maybe you can find yourself with Thomas. In verse 5, he says, Thomas says this in response to Jesus. Let's read verse 4 just to kind of recap. It says, Jesus says, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas says, no, we don't. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? You ever been there? Yeah. This is what we're doing. What? Just completely lost. And we can find ourselves as followers of Christ sometimes in the same boat that Thomas is. See, we look at our life and we see all of these different situations in our life and we see these things that we want to do. We see the dreams that we have. We see the goals that we've set. We see the life that we want to live. We see where we're going in life. We look at the situations that are going on in our life and we say, this is where I'm going to go and this is what I'm going to do and this is where I'm going to be. And then all of a sudden, something called life happens, and those destinations get pushed farther in the distance, and sometimes they just get completely lost. And in the very place where we thought we were secure, in the very place where just a moment ago we thought everything was good, now all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place of insecurity, we find ourselves lost. And Jesus is talking to Thomas, and Thomas is like, dude, I I thought the kingdom was going to look like this. And because the kingdom was going to look like this, this is what my life was going to look like, and this is what Jerusalem's life was going to look like, and and here's what your plan is. And and Jesus is saying to him, listen, your view of what my actions are, your view of my mercy, your view of my judgment, your view of my love is too small. I've got a bigger life I want you to know. I've got a bigger life I want you to experience. You've got to look past what you want, and you've got to see what I'm doing. So Thomas is in the situation, and Jesus is speaking to him lovingly and caringly. And he says to him in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Oftentimes, the most profound answer the greatest solution to our issues in front of us is the, evident, the most evident options there are. See, in our lives, in different situations, I know in my life, this would go on, I got two ladies right here that contest to this. I'm horrible at finding things. Absolutely horrible at finding things. My entire life, where are my shoes? Where are my keys? Where are my pants? Right? None of them are pretty moments. And, and, and they, they get worse and worse. The reason they get worse and worse is it's not because I can't find my shoes. It's because I looked in the place that I knew that I put them and they weren't there. (laughs) And I am convinced that I am right 
and everyone else in the world are morons. And the entire universe has shifted and something has happened in a realm that I do not even know. And they have moved my shoes. I'm convinced of it. And I will not bow to anything other than that. And when I was a kid, it was worse than it ever you can ever imagine. It's amazing that mom and I still love each other. And that she's one of the most gracious women that I've ever met in my life. That she can forgive me of all the things that I've done to her in these moments. See, in our, our lives, in each one of us, there are things that we have convinced ourselves to be true. We've convinced ourselves to be true. And if we can't look past those things that we ourselves have set up to be truths, we can miss the greatest truth that's in front of us. See, the reality is, is that each and every one of us in here today, and some of us, maybe you're in a place where it's super hard for you, but it's difficult for us to hear that Jesus is the truth because it is often completely opposite of what we are convinced of. See, we're convinced of this. I'm convinced this is true of me. I'm convinced this is what I'm gonna do. I'm convinced this is where I'm gonna go. I'm convinced this is what my life is gonna look like. I'm convinced this is how things are gonna work out. I'm convinced this is how my marriage is gonna go. I'm convinced that these are how my kids are gonna be. I'm convinced that this is the way my job's career is gonna go. All of these things, we convince ourselves of it. And then all of a sudden something happens and it doesn't line up with that reality. It doesn't line up with what we convinced ourselves. And so we look at it and we begin to get confused. And sometimes in that confusion, we get completely lost. We get embittered, and what we thought was right there is no longer in sight, and we find ourselves actually wandering around looking for a way out. The reason that it is so difficult for us to believe that Jesus is the truth is because what we are most convinced of often is what we see as necessary to get what we want most. See, what we, what we see in front of us, I, I believe this has to be true, because in order for this to be true... Oh, the only way for this, for only way for me to get this is for this to be true. If this wasn't true, if this job doesn't work out, my career doesn't go this way, that I'm not going to be this person when I'm 60. And so we want this. We've got this life set up of what we want. I'm going to marry this person because this is what I want my marriage to look like. And we want it so bad that we ignore realities. We ignore red flags. We blow past all of these different things because what we want is so great. And we convince ourselves of truths that are anything but truths. And see, Jesus comes into the scene, and Jesus being the truth, he confronts what we want to be true. And so it's hard for us to accept Jesus as the truth. Because we look at him and he says, listen, this is what you want, and I'm telling you, it's not enough. This is what you want, and I'm telling you, it's not going to help you. This is what you want, but it's not going to give you life. It's not going to give you what you think it's going to give you. You're going to get there, and it's just going to be a stopping point, and you're going to find yourself then at that moment wanting nothing, and you're going to be lost. And so for us, we look at Thomas, and we see the power of what Jesus is speaking to him. Jesus is saying to him, your beliefs, your work, your goals, your hopes, they are not the destination. See, we can convince ourselves of most any truth, but we routinely reject the truth, the one and only truth that brings life. The place that we want most has to be our place in Christ. 
This morning, what we need to hear in Thomas' situation, where he sees himself to be in one place. He thought one reality was going to happen. He thought one thing was going to take place. But then all of a sudden, Jesus starts talking crazy talk. And he realizes what he held to be true and what he thought was going to happen isn't going to happen. The rug's being pulled out from under him. And he's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, We don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) You're going somewhere that we didn't necessarily sign up for. What are you talking about here? And Jesus is speaking to him, and he's speaking to each and every one of us. And he's saying, listen, I have a place for you. It's bigger than you can ever imagine. It's greater than you can ever imagine. And one day, you're going to be in a place that is so beautiful and so perfect that I cannot even right now give you the words to describe how amazing it is. And in this life and during this time, I'm going to give you glimpses of that life. I'm going to give you pictures, and I'm going to give you understandings of the life that you can have in me. But we, in this moment, need to be able to trust and we need to be able to look to see that Jesus in this life, right now, when we hold him to be the truth, not the things that we want, not the things that we're looking for, when we hold him to be the truth, he says, listen, when you live this life, the truth of who I am is going to change how you see the truth of who you are. It's going to change and you're going to see the truth of what this life is really about and you're going to see the truth of what you're really living for. The truth that Jesus wants us to hold on to is him. So he says to Peter and he says to Thomas, listen, I'm the way. I'm the way. You've been wanting to be with God. You're wanting to be used by God. You want to be present with God. You, you want to be God's children. I'm the way to the Father. What Jesus is saying is, I'm opening up the way. I'm making the way possible for you to have in your heart what you want to do with him and where you want to be with him. I'm making that way possible. I'm opening that door for you. I am the way and I'm the truth to hold on to as you make your way. We have to hold on to the truth of who Jesus is. See, the truth that Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died the death that you and I deserved and then he then rose from the grave conquering sin, death, hell, and the grave. That truth right there, it changes everything. That truth, if we hold on to that truth, it conquers, it circumvents every truth that we can ever hold on that makes our life small and inconsequential. When we hold on to the truth, the great, mighty, only truth that Jesus is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life, then we are holding on to everything that we need. We're holding on to everything that we need. In this verse, in verse 7, as he's talking to Thomas, he says, if you had really Known me. The Greek word right here, the Greek word that's used here, if you had really known me, it's if you had had learned who I was. If you had taken time to understand who I was. If you had taken time to be intimate with me in a way that showed you my desires, my intentions, my plans. If you would have really seen the things that I was doing, the words that I was saying, the reasons for my miracles, instead of looking at them as enough. If you would have looked deeper, if you would have known who I was and learned who I was, you would know And the word here is different. It means you would see. You would perceive by any of your senses. It literally is you would have sat down and done a, a, I'm losing the word, this is really bad, an interview with God. You would have sat down. If you would have known me, Jesus is speaking, if you would have known me, 
It would have been like you were sitting with God doing an interview with him, asking him any question that you ever wanted to ask, wanting to know everything that you wanted to know. You would have experienced him with all of your senses. You would have walked away from this moment knowing that you had been with God. It would have been unmarkable. It would have been something that would change you forever. Then he goes on and he says to, Pete, he says to Thomas, you would have known the Father is from now on. You do know him and you have seen him. Listen, Jesus is saying to us, even if you're sitting in this room this morning and you're just mildly curious of who God is, you're just kind of just, you're here and I'm just gonna put you in that category. You're like, no, not me, I'm not interested. Just the fact that you're here, I would just go ahead and just say, you're mildly curious of who God is. You're mildly curious of who Jesus is. You're looking for some truth. You're looking for some reality. Let me just say today that Jesus is the only truth that you're looking for. Any other truth that you try to convince yourself of, one day it will prove itself to be false. Jesus is the truth that in any situation, in any moment, I've lived it, I've experienced it, I would love to sit and talk with you. There's so many in this room today that we've gone through some of the most horrendous things, but because of who Jesus is, and because he is the truth, and because what he said to be true is true in our lives. And we've been able to go through things and experience things and come on the other side of things stronger, more on fire, and more alive in Christ than ever before. I've seen things that should defeat people be the very thing that gives them life and purpose when they claim and hold on to Jesus being the truth. See, what he's saying here is, is this way, this truth, this life, it's about presence. It's about presence. No less than six times from verse 7 to verse 11, Jesus is emphatically saying, listen, my presence is so, I'm so connected to God and I'm so deeply one with him that my presence as is if his presence is here. You're looking and you're waiting and you're wanting something and I'm telling you, it's here. You have a place in Jesus. He is a truth that goes deeper than anything that is present in your life. If you hold on to him, if you cling to him, you see him to be the way. And if your lost moment is a small one, you just kind of feel like you've just hit a speed bump or you're just completely lost walking around in the middle of a desert with nothing and you're just completely lost and discouraged, Jesus is the truth. He is the way to life. He is the way to what he wants you to experience, which is presence with him for all of eternity. See, he's talking to Philip. If we go on, and Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. See, Philip is sitting here, and I love Philip because he's just like, hey, listen, I heard all the things you said, but if you can uh, show us God right now, hey, we'll be completely satisfied and convinced. And so Philip's saying that, and Jesus, I love his response to him. He's like, really, Philip? Like, would that be enough for you? Would that be enough for you? Like, if I was to do something else, I mean, other than raising a man from the dead. Other than healing a boy without even being present with him. Other than walking on water. Other than turning water to wine. I mean, is there something else that I can do for you? Is there something that would really convince you? And Philip's saying, listen, I want the fireworks. I want it all. Like, I want the heavens to open. I want to see God sitting on his throne. I want to see the angels flying around. I want to see all kinds of stuff happen. I want to see the bad guys die. I want it all right now. And Jesus is like, really? Is that enough for you? Is that really what you want? And Jesus, in part, is protecting him. But at the same time, Jesus is challenging him. Because sometimes the things that we get lost in is we want something that really 
we can't even understand. And so we go through and we look at this life and we're just looking and we're just saying, I want these things. And, and we've got all these pieces to the puzzle and we've got all this stuff and we're looking at it. And it's like, I, I think I've got it all here. But man, if this just one thing would fall into place, if this just one thing, if I could figure out if I'm looking at the bottom or the top of the puzzle, if I could just get this thing, if that thing would just happen, it would make everything work out. And God is saying to us, listen, you've got all the pieces. You've got everything you need. It doesn't have to be this crazy, elaborate detailed, emotional, insane fireworks scene. Listen, this life that I have for you, the way that I have for you, the truth that I have for you is that I've come so that God can be present with you. That God isn't distant, but now that God is with you. God is literally inside of you. That you will be made right with him, that you will be in a relationship with him See, we look at life and we look at these situations and we look at our stuff and we look at what we're living for, that we're supposed to be building this kingdom and we're supposed to be amassing these things. And Jesus is saying life is not about amassing things. Life is not about knowing certain facts. Life's not about accomplishing these things. Those are a part of it, but life is about being present with God. Life is about having a deep, intimate relationship with him. And because I'm here, I'm telling you, he's here in your face saying, I want to be with you. Stop putting things in front of him. Stop waiting for something miraculous to happen. We find ourselves lost because we're just like, if this prayer would just get answered, if this phone would ring at 10.04, I don't even care if it's a solicitor, but if the phone rings at 10.04, I'm just going to take that as a sign that God is. And, And we wait for all of these insane things and we put all this stuff in front and we just say this and Jesus is saying no I'm here and because I'm here God is here and because God is here you need to see that he has a place for you and because he's got a place for you he's made a way for you to get to that place and because he's made a way for you to get to the place you can know that it's true you can hold on to it you can cling to that truth and it will carry you through life And because it is true, and because that is your destiny, and because that is your place of hope now, you can know life now. Philip, you're wanting something that probably is not going to convince you. And I'm telling you, what you really need is right in front of you, and it's me. And this morning, we're sitting here, and maybe you find yourself in a place, and you say, I don't know. I don't know about this, if this would happen or if this would happen. I mean, I I I I want it, but I just don't know. And Jesus is saying, listen, all you need is me. All you need is me. If you look to me and if you believe in me, then you will see you have everything that you need. Jesus is saying, listen, I've purchased the life. I am the life, the eternal life that you will enjoy when you get there and the fullest life you can know now. As you go through the rest of chapter 14, you see that life in Jesus Christ is marked by belief. That you are a person that can walk through life with belief instead of doubt. You are a person that can walk through this life marked by purpose, provision, power, presence, vitality, love, obedience, knowledge, and peace. See, we've got this idea. Because in each one of us, Scripture talks about this. That there's an awareness of eternity. And because of that awareness of eternity, sometimes we get so focused on the present, that we can't see the entirety of what God's doing. 
And we get so focused on the present. We're looking at what's here. That our equation becomes, I've got to do everything now because once I'm done with this life, it's over. And maybe if you're a follower of Christ, and, and many of us would say, yeah, it's over, but there's heaven. But it's just heaven, right? I mean, it's, we, we don't know what that is. We don't know what that means. We don't know what that looks like. And so, yeah, we, we talk about it and celebrate it in church, but in our hearts, it's, we don't know. It's unknown, so we kind of just don't really get excited about it. And so instead, we get excited about the now. We get excited about the stuff that's now, and, and we think somehow... Maybe if we do good enough here that it's going to earn us some amazing heaven or we've we got to do all these things to kind of feel good about ourselves and all this different stuff and we kind of go crazy on the now or we get so caught up in the now that we're just like, hey, now, now, now. And we're so caught up and excited about it. We, we, the present defines our reality. And God is saying, listen, I should define your reality. That there is a here and now and there is a forever and I want you living for all of it. I want your eyes wide open to the work that I'm doing in all of eternity, not just in the present. And there's work I want you to do in the present, but there's also a future life as well. There's work I have for you for eternity, but there's also a life that you can know now. And because of our immediate focus on the present, we have this equation in life. Life, then death. Jesus comes on the scene. And he says, listen, I got a different equation for you. I want you to think about it this way. There's life, and then there's life. And then there's more life. And then there's more life. And then there's more life after that. So he wants us to walk through this life knowing that because he is the way, because he is the truth, and because he is the life, that in Jesus, we have life. And so, yeah, there's going to be moments of sorrow. Yeah, there's going to be moments of heartache. But we also know there's going to be tons of moments. And that our life is going to be marked by one of life of vitality, that it's gonna be a life celebrated. I love going to funerals of people that are followers of Christ, that are devoted, that are sold out for Jesus. I love going to the funerals. I love it because it's so unordinary. You go in there and no one's crying. They're excited. They're just talking about it. They're championing. When my grandmother died, our hearts were saddened, but we were alive. There's pastor after pastor and lining up wanting to talk about the life that she lived for God. That's the life that I wanna live. That is life. Not walking through, did I make it? Did I fail? Did I miss the mark? Man, I'm clueless as what's going on here. I thought I was going to go here, but I ended up here. Man, I want to see this, but I didn't see this. Instead, we can go through and it's like, I got to go through this life. I didn't do everything that I thought I was going to do, but look at the things that I did get to do. Man, look at the things that did happen in my life. Look at the people I got to tell Jesus about. Man, I don't know what exactly what was going on here or here. I don't understand that situation at all. But I can tell you in every situation, I learned more of who God was and I learned more who I was. I learned more about life and I lived my life bigger for him after that situation. That's the life that God wants us to live. That's the life he wants you to live. And this morning, that is the Easter life that he's given to us. Because he has died and risen from the grave, you and I can know life and life evermore. And so as the worship team comes up, we're going to culminate this moment by taking some time to reflect as a church on who Jesus is. If you are this morning a visitor here, this isn't your home church, as we take the elements here in a moment, we just ask that you be in good standing with your church and we just ask that for you, you can say there was a moment where you made a vow of devotion to Christ. You say, yes, I surrender my heart to Jesus and I'm living my life for him as Lord. And so if that's you in a moment, 
as it began, the band begins to sing, make your way to the sides. You can take the bread, which represents his body that was broken for us, so that you and I could be whole. Then take the juice and drink the juice in remembrance of his blood that was shed so that you and I, our sins, can be forgiven. That Jesus gave of his life freely, willingly, and joyfully so that you and I could know life free, full of joy, and full of hope. And this morning, if you're in this place, and this conversation for you, you know it starts at one point. You've yet to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Or at one time, maybe you did, but it never just took root. This morning, in this moment, what I want each one of us to do, if we find ourselves in that place, is I want you just to take some time, and I just want you to pray in this moment. When I say pray, I just mean talk. I just want you to be honest with God about where you are, and I just want you to be honest about what's going on in your life. If you don't have a relationship with God, you've not made that vow of devotion, this moment of communion is not for you. This is not a fun experience. It's not an Easter experience. It's not a good luck charm. Communion is a deep and intimate moment that a follower of Christ has with Christ. And it's something that we should take very seriously and not lightly. And so what I want you to do is I want you to stay in your chair. Nobody's gonna think anything of it because some of us might not even take communion for whatever reason. And I want you to use this time as we sing the song to listen to the words, feel God speaking to you. And I want you to seriously, honestly, evaluate where you are and see if God is speaking to you as I believe that he is this morning and saying, hey, listen, you're lost. You find yourself in places where your soul is tormented. You find yourself in places discouraged and frustrated. You find yourself suffering. You wanna know why. You wanna know if there's a reason for it all. Jesus this morning saying yes and I can show you the way when I come back up we'll finish the conversation but I just want you to know that no matter where you are be encouraged Peter turned on God Thomas slept through the class and just missed everything that was going on Philip was impatient just as like in their lives and you and I lives, there's no obstacle or barrier or question that God cannot overcome. And if you find yourself restless, you find yourself lost, Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verse 27. If you believe in me, if you give your life to me, if you accept me as the truth, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. If you're looking for truth anywhere other than Jesus Christ, it will prove itself to be false. Father, in this moment, as we continue in this time of worship, Father, if we find ourselves devoted followers of you, even if maybe we're lost, we find ourselves like Thomas, just saying, (laughs) I'm a little bit off here. Maybe we find ourselves in completely different situations, Father, I just pray as we take this communion, as we pray, recapture our hearts. 
God, reinvigorate us. Show us the vitality of the life of Jesus. The power of your Holy Spirit. God, awaken us and encourage us and show us that you are the way, the truth, and the life. If we don't have a relationship with you, I pray in this moment, God, as we seriously and honestly say, God, I'm lost, that you will speak. It will be undeniable. Let the power of your Holy Spirit work in this moment in each of our hearts. Amen and amen. Stand, take the elements, worship. We'll close in one minute.